0: KidSport Sport Calgary wants to thank Sport Calgary for providing this podcast platform. Sport Calgary acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available online at sportcalgary.ca. Learn about community and coaching resources, research, jobs, and, of course, the latest in Calgary sport. Remember the feeling of lacing up your skates, pulling that jersey over your head for the first time? What about cheering on your teammates in the final seconds of a game? Imagine you never had the opportunity to make those memories. Many kids don't. The power of sport is in how it shapes you in these special moments. It's the memories you cherish today and the stories you tell tomorrow. It nurtures our growth and strengthens our community. Now you can help create lasting memories and fill the gap for other kids who want to play. Help Kidsport get more kids off the sidelines and into the game and give the gift of sport today by visiting www.kidsport.ca slash gift of sport. Sport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts Alicia Risling and Grace Defoe. And here they are, sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia.
1: All right, welcome back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Grace Defoe And I'm
2: Alicia Riz Brizzling, coming to you from Whistler.
1: And I'm coming to you from Calgary. So we've kind of swapped, I would say, um, and I'm not sliding right now. I'm on my Christmas break, and Riz, you're sliding.
2: I got one more week left, and then I'll be bound on to Christmas break as well, and then fingers crossed, boarding a plane for the first time in what's going to feel like years. But we'll see how that goes. everybody. I'm not
1: sure, ready? yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready. Are you ready to get on a plane? <laughs> I am
2: so ready. And my last five months of sliding, have been on this track, and as much as it's been wonderful, I, I need some competition in my life. So let's, sure. let's move on from that. We have an awesome guest today. Our guest is a 1989 Stanley Cup champion, uh, Calgary Flame, Colin Patterson. Welcome to our show.
3: Thank you, Alicia. Thanks, Grace. Pleasure to be here.
2: Well, we're so happy to have you. I know I was really fired up because it's been forever since I've seen you. And there was a period of time, I feel like, this time last year where we saw each other almost every other week doing uh, different charity events.
3: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, when you think about all the uh, charity events you guys do and and our alumni does and and how they cross, you know, look at KidSport. and We must have been at like four or five events in a row. And I, I got my chicken wing hat a little late. Uh, last year for the chicken wing event or i would have had that on but yeah it's strange if you feel like you're missing something you know although we're trying to do stuff we are missing something for giving back to the community
1: yeah well go ahead oh i was just gonna say i feel like i ran into you at the tennis tournament at the alberta tennis center last and that was about a week before our world completely changed as we know it that was i've like remember being, we were in a in the upstairs VIP area with probably two hundred people in that little little cafe, and that would definitely not fly these days.
3: I know it's it's crazy how and how quick it changed, and how you forget about uh, sort of those moments, and you go, it seems like so long ago, and you can't wait to get back to them.
1: Exactly. Yeah, fingers crossed. Everything for, in twenty twenty one. And yeah.
2: Paul, you, so you're you're involved in what um, our our behind the scenes manager Rob Kerr describes as the best alumni group of all the NHL and really any pro sports and. I feel like from your prize's your cup winning team, there was a lot of you that kind of settled in Calgary. Is that you correct
3: me if I'm wrong? Yeah, there's about eight of us that settled in Calgary, and we do have a really good alumni, and there's lots of good alumni around the NHL and around professional sport. And uh, we think that our group does a lot. We probably had 200 and some events last year that our our, our group of alumni attended, you know, overall. So that would be 2019 um, and that's why, you know, even for myself personally, I probably went to 80 events uh, in 2019. 80? Yeah. Wow. And, and it's just, yeah, there's so there's so many different things that, you know, you forget about school visits, uh, dinners, you know, hockey games, kids' hockey practice, you know, all the kids' sport events you think about. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting that we've got a group of guys that came back and then the younger guys that are coming in are – Excellent guys. They they contribute a lot, and and that's what makes us able to do what we can do. And our alumni is sort of different from other alumni within the league. We have guys who played for the Flames, obviously a Flames alumni, but we also have half of our alumni are guys that never played for the Flames, but played in the NHL that live in Calgary, and that's vitally important because those guys are great and they show up to a ton of events. And when they put the Calgary Flames jersey on the Flaming Sea, uh, they represent it well, and it's like they played for the team.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that.
2: Um, so 80 events, that's like, so last year was a special year for you guys, right? Because it was the 30 year anniversary of celebrating your cup. Um, do you think that was like, a, is 80 events like it was that a special because you guys were celebrating that 30 years? Or do you think that's normal for you?
3: I think it's normal for uh, a lot of us, uh, you know, that, you know, I think for me personally, I had some time and was able to put back in a little more because a lot of times, you know, we send out emails, say, Hey, can somebody show up to this event? And, you know, a lot of times where we can't get a guy to go, uh, but I was able to say, yeah, I'll go. I'll do that. I'll do that. And all of a sudden you start clicking yes to a lot of these and you're pretty busy. And that's why like now I feel, man, I, I, you know, it's tough without, you know, everybody around, but when you, you don't have those events to go to, uh, there's a real big void and, uh, it, that's why, you know, Christmas will be interesting for all of us. And, you know, I, you know, as professional athletes, you, you obviously yes. get as much time as, as the normal person like I do now, but when you, when you have that time at you all, know, you, you want people around and it's going to be very strange. It's just going to be, uh, A different Christmas. And I remember years when we were playing, you know, we'd play on the 23rd. We'd play up in Edmonton. You come home, we'd practice on the 24th. We had to be done by noon. And so then you'd have the 24th, the afternoon there. And then you'd have the 25th. And then we'd have a game against Edmonton in Calgary on the 26th. So you didn't have much time to think about it. But, you know, now as just a normal person, you, you got a lot of time to think about Christmas and preparing. And not that I prepare in advance still, but. You know, it's always the last minute stuff. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this Christmas plays out. And you know, it might bring back you know a lot of memories of, of playing and you know, those days when you, you don't have, you know, everybody around. It's just short and sweet, but yeah. I it. To go back to work then. Mm-hmm. Um
2: so you went the college route, correct? Yes I did. The yeah. And then yeah. I saw that you were actually undrafted. Now, was yes. that
3: the year because there was no NHL draft that year? No, no, there was an NHL draft. Uh, my draft year would have been, uh, I think, 79, I think 78 or 79, because the draft age used to be 19, then they switched it to 18. So the 79 draft year combined the 18 and 19-year-olds, and I wasn't good enough at that time anyways, but I went to university when I was 20. I was a little older when I went to university. You um? Right, like university? I played tier two junior. So provincial junior A, uh, be like the AJHL, but I played in Ontario. Uh, I did try out for, uh, the Peterborough Pete's, which is a major junior A team and, and was one of the last guys cut. And that's when I sort of made the decision that, you know what, uh, probably schooling's the best for me. And I'll never forget. I stayed with this family for, I was, as being the last guy cut, you're about a month into school before they, they tell you that you're gone. So I had, I'd gone with a family to sort of bill it with. And I, I remember the mother telling me that, you know, get something out of hockey and uh, because her son played and, you know, he got traded around in the OHL and uh, was a really good player, but never got the opportunity to, you know, go to university. And she said, you know, um, get something out of the game. And I always came back with a, uh, an attitude from that was don't let hockey use you, you use hockey. And so uh, you know, I was able to use hockey to get a a scholarship to Clarkson and uh I was very fortunate, and Clarkson. You know, just for people who don't know about Clarkson University, it's one of the top ten engineering universities in the U.S. I didn't take engineering at no. all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't that smart, but you know, it's a really good school. It's a really, yeah, really good school. Really small, and I was fortunate enough that uh, the Flames came down to scout a player they had drafted on our team, and I was in my third year. And as it worked out, they uh, offered me a contract and. Uh, I remember, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, on the dial up phone with my coach talking to my parents and he held out the phone and we, you know, was, there's was no speaker phones. And he said, you know, I said, mom, dad, I go, I got this great opportunity to sign with the Calgary flames. And they said, you know, don't do it. Uh, finish your schooling. And, yeah, and I went back and, uh, you know, talked with this, you know, quasi agent and that I had, and then, and he said, Well let me talk with the Flames and the biggest part of my contract was the Calgary Flames agreed to pay for my final year of university. And so, so, so I wins. yeah. So I signed a two way deal with Calgary. And that way they
2: kinda I guess I guess couldn't screw you over where you make this decision and maybe it doesn't pan out for you and then you've made a double bad decision because you don't have the opportunity to go back to school. So wow, exactly. good for you. You really can't yeah, so, mom's uh
0: Yeah, took the you, advice. Like, yeah,
2: you you use hockey. Good for you. Yeah. That's a really important lesson, I think, and, and like sport on this podcast, we like to talk about like kind of what the the gift sports have offered us in terms of, you know, life lessons or, or even career opportunities or just opportunities to do something that you didn't ever thought that you were going to be able to do. Um, but that's pretty incredible. So did you finish your degree?
3: Yes, I finished my degree. I went back over the next three summers and I finished my degree. I was pretty fortunate. I only spent uh, a couple of games in the minors. And one of the best things I did was when I signed with the Flames, we were uh, going into spring break at school. So I went down and I played in the minors for, I think it was seven or eight games over 10 days. <laughs> and and it, it gave me a good idea of what I needed to do to be a you know, professional hockey player. But, you know, and that, that was in the central hockey league. It was in the minors. So the next year I went back and, you know, long story, but ended up, you know, playing about six more games in the minors and then got called up and, uh, never went back. And I was very fortunate for that. And, you know, sport offers you a lot, as you said, and I know we'll get into that discussion.
2: <laughs> for sure. Um, so from there, you went on to have a career with the Flames and then you suffered an injury.
3: Yes, I suffered. I had a, quite a few injuries in my career. I, I, you know, I like to say I had a yes, somewhat <laughs> brief, yeah, but very mediocre career. And, you know, I had knee injuries, shoulder injuries, but I, I suffered a major knee injury, an ACL reconstruction, and uh, the problem was at the time they they didn't identify it quick enough to get operated on. You know, because uh, it happened in training camp, and then uh, but probably by December they finally decided we're going to operate. So it didn't leave much time to be able to make a comeback because typically for about six to eight months, uh, as you guys you know know from uh, ACL reconstruction, but. I ended up coming back and playing a playoff game that year, which I, I probably shouldn't have. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And you, you know, when they come and ask you, you're, you know, you don't say no. You say I'm 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 ready to go, ready to go. Yeah, you're
2: like, I can be ready. I yeah. I I am ready.
1: You're asking, I'm ready. Yeah. A little bit about that. I'm sure Grace, you did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm
2: um okay so from there you ended up finishing your career with
3: buffalo yeah i played got traded to buffalo and that was a great opportunity for me because my family you know i grew up in rexdale ontario which is the west end of toronto so i had you know throughout the years a lot of my buddies would always come down to buffalo to watch me play uh because you couldn't get tickets in toronto And it was, uh, it was great. So it was really neat to be close to home. You know, it was about an hour and a half drive and my parents would come down for every home game. And it was, it was really neat for them to get an opportunity because now you can get every game on the internet, on radio, whatever it is, you know, you got the NHL network back in those days, you didn't. And so when you were out in Calgary, you know, unless you played a hockey night in Canada, uh, my parents never saw a game and, uh, I remember uh, one of my first games in Calgary. We played against St. Louis, and somehow my neighbor had a ham radio uh, back in in Rexdale, and my dad sat down and listened, and they were able to catch part of the game. So it was it was pretty oh, neat. Yeah. yeah. So it's things like that, you know, you, you tend to forget. So it was really special to be in Buffalo, and and Buffalo is a, a great town, and it's a lot of fun. And that's when the Bills were huge, like they were enormous yeah and I, I remember my first game playing against calgary in buffalo and joe Noondike was playing center for calgary and, and i was playing center in buffalo so i came out to the to the faceoff circle and it just happened that as i sort of came skating out to it the fans erupted and it just it was like you know it was like almost a standing it was a standing ovation and so i i said to new ego they love me here. Little, little little did I know they were introducing Kent Hall from the Buffalo Bills at the same time. And the fans were standing up cheering for him.
1: Whatever you want to think though, right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You just use it to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I
1: I feel like we skipped over like a really important part of, I, I mean, your whole story is great and important, but we skipped over like, the late 80s you know there might have been a stanley cup and yeah. and i want to know about your day with the stanley cup first of all and is it true that you're the one that like kind of started that tradition
3: yeah i yeah. mean guys had taken the cup home before but there was never uh, anybody with it and so when we won the cup i thought you got to take it home i had no idea you didn't so i was at the nhl awards dinner and i went up to the guy who was head of nhl security at the time as a, um, he's a New York old ex New York cop, Frank Torpy was his name. And I said, Frank, you know, I'm Colin Patterson, you know, played with the Flames, won the cup, you know, wonder if I can get the Stanley Cup back to my place. And he was like, This is a bad accent, but he goes, Hey, con can't do that, you know, here, this is the cup, it's a sacred thing, you know, we've had a bunch of problems with the Oilers, you know, it's ended up here and there. And you know, he goes, We, we can't do it anymore, you know, we're having high, high security on it. I said, okay, fair enough. You know, at least I asked. Well, 10 seconds later or a minute later, you know, Phil Pritchard, the guy who has the white gloves, who is a curator of the Stanley Cup, comes up to me and he goes, where do you live? And I said, well, you know, I'm at my parents' place. We're in Rexdale. And and he goes, okay, great. You know, um, I can bring it over tomorrow if you want. I said, love that. And I said, what time are you going to be there? And he tells me a time. And I go, perfect. So... We went out, and we had a little extra entertainment that night and a few extra, you know, pops. And uh, I got home and, you know, once again, this is, you know, long before, you know, uh, cell phones and the way, you, you know, you had to dial up and phone people and, you know, if they weren't home, you weren't get. there's no answering machines. Um, so I got home and, you know, started phone a few people and told them to phone a few. And then I went up and down the street. Um, and my neighbors had made these signs up, uh, you know, congratulations, call, welcome Colin. And uh, I went up and down the street and I, I went to this one neighbor who I grew up with his kids and Mr. Goodman, he was, a, he was probably about 10 years older than my dad. So he was about 75 at the time. And I remember knocking on his door and he, he opened the door and, you know, big embrace and, you know, and he said, congratulations, Colin. I'm so proud and everything else. I said, Mr. Goodman, I said, you're going to believe this. I, said, I got the Stanley cup coming to my parents' place. And, you know, it's going to be here at nine o'clock and he goes, oh, I'd love to go. But, and this is, you know, the older people, he goes, I have a dentist appointment. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I said, yeah. you know, give me the phone. And so I, I know I dialed the dentist number and I talked to the receptionist who ha- what I happened, I happen to know is a friend of mine's mother. And oh she just said, goodness. you know, tell him to come in whenever he wants. <laughs> you don't get a chance to see the Stanley cup that often. And so it was great. And then I made my way down I came up to this house and it was an old German fellow, Mr. Carlo. And I'd grown up with his kids, but you know, I'd put a puck through his window back in like 1972 playing, you know, hockey on his driveway and he never forgot it. Right. And, and I was, I was afraid of him (laughs) and he was a big man. And so I went up to his door and I was going, you know, should I, or shouldn't I? And I go, ah, yeah, you know, it's the right thing to do. So I knock on the door He opens it, and he's still, you know, big man to me, even at that time. And I, uh, I look at him and says, you know, Mister Carlo. He goes, Oh, Colin Patterson, you know, you put a puck through my window in nineteen seventy two. You still remember? I was like, Oh, remember? Yeah, it was like, you know, it it was like it happened yesterday. And I was like, you know, I'm starting to sweat. (laughs) I'm going, Well, Mister Carlo, you know, hopefully we make up for it. You got Stanley Cup coming at nine. You know, da 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 da. And come on, over. and I had told everybody, too, because, you know, back in the days, the liquor stores weren't open, and a big thing is, you know, having a drink out of the Stanley Cup. So I said, bring whatever you guys have. Um, so there was all sorts of different hoots show up, <laughs> whatever else. And so people gathered on my parents' driveway, and, you know, about 9 o'clock, and, you know, and all of a sudden, there's probably like 50 to 75 to 100 people now, and, you know, 9.15, and I'm going, man, I'm pretty sure Phil told me he was coming today, you know, because I... I was going, I don't have his number. I don't know how to connect with him, you know? So I'm going, if he doesn't show up, I'm, you know, looking like a total idiot in front of everybody. Oh, no. So, and then I'm expecting this armored truck to pull up with the Stanley Cup, because Frank Torpy told me, you know, we're a big security. So about 9.30, this little Toyota Tercel hatchback pulls into my parents' driveway. And I go flying down the driveway to tell whoever it is to get the frick out of there, right? No
2: kidding. Yeah.
3: And so the guy, he rolls down the window. It's Phil Pritchard from the Hockey Hall of Fame.
2: Did he have his white gloves on?
3: No white gloves. I said, Phil, this is great to see you. I go, when's the cup coming? He goes, oh, I got it right in the back. He has it in the back of his Toyota Tercel hatchback wrapped in bubbled plastic. He's been driving on the busiest highway in Canada, the 401, to get to my parents' place, and so we pull it out and you know unwrap the bubble off it. And the Patterson family's never been real handy, but we had this old table that belonged to my grandparents that my mom had you know want to get redone for 20 years. Finally got it redone. So my dad and I had brought it out. and We're going to put the cup on that. So my dad and I grabbed the cup and we drag it across this thing. Put a, a Oh, like a just a trail of the cup scratches the table, and I swear if my mom could have grabbed me then she would have just kicked my butt.
2: Oh, but you God. know she
3: put on the old mm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm,
3: "I'll get you later," you know. <laughs> so, but we had just a fabulous day with it, and Phil was like he just went, "This is unbelievable!" Because you know all the people taking pictures with it. We had it for probably five to six hours, and I I, I didn't understand at the time, you know what the you know what the reality of what we were doing was and you know with people with the signs and getting pictures with it and it was just so i mean it was one of the greatest days of of my life and so phil left, and it was years later um that they were doing a commercial on discovery uh it was for discovery card and it was phil pritchard's top 10 moments with the stanley cup <laughs> and mine was number one and i remember that he, this lady phoned me up and said, oh, I'm, you know, with Phil Pritchard, I need some stuff from when you guys had the cup. And she explains, and I'm like, yeah, good one, you know, click. And then next day, phones me again. I go, well, oh, this must be real. You know? So we had some, you know, old footage and some pictures that we sent. And, and then I found out that, I, you know, it was, I was the first guy to take it home under, you know, the guise of everybody's going to get the cup. And that was your day with the Stanley Cup. And I, I i didn't realize that, but that was sort of the start of the modern day, day with the Cup. And, you know, I, I look back on my career and I go, you know, regardless of anything, you know, just to be able to, to talk about that and have that is pretty amazing, you know, to, to play and to, you know, have a bit of an impact on the game. No kidding.
1: Well, yeah. You just have so, to ask... For what you want and,
3: and clearly yeah, yeah, and, and, and I tell people that, you know, if you don't ask, you never get. But the best part was after it was all over and we're all like, you know, everybody's embracing and it's just a lot of fun. And, and Mr. Carlo, the guy I put, you know, puck through his window, he sort of, you know, he came and he looked and, and I put his hand on my shoulder. I put my hand on his shoulder and it was like I was exonerated, you know? <laughs> and I was like... It's over. You know, the puck through the window. I've been pardoned. pardoned. This is great. And then Mr. Goodman grabs me and he hugs me. And his wife, you know, Mrs. Goodman is like a couple of feet away. And he goes, Colin, he goes, this is the most excited I've been since my wedding night. I was like okay, you know, well, you know, maybe too much information, but yeah. good to see you're excited about it. And it was just, <laughs> it was so neat because you know, any, everybody there, nobody had really seen the Stanley cup and it's a magnificent trophy. And you know, when you get it on the ice, you don't understand it. You don't see the history of it, but when you're able to look at the cup and, and it's gleaming and Phil had it all, you know, he polished it up and did everything. And, you know, and back in, and like, now you can't pick up the cup if you haven't won it mm-hmm. and my buddies have it over their head. They're giving it this one. I'm sure that's part of the rule, you know, why they have that. But, you know, you look at the inside the Stanley Cup, there's names there that are always on the cup. And what people don't realize is, you know, there's the rings around the cup, there's five levels, which is 50 years. So every 10 years, they take a ring off and put a new one on so that the cup stays the same size. So, you know, at the time I go, I didn't, I had no idea about that. And I go, oh, you know, I got 50 years on that. Now I'm going. Man, I only have like nineteen years left. Yeah, I better get people looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> and then they take the rings and they put them up at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So yeah, and yeah. they they
2: live there forever. So you know, i will be yeah. on there forever. It's, yeah, yeah. I've seen it on there. Um, that's so cool. What did? What was the weirdest thing that you drank out of the cup?
3: Um, probably something that one of my neighbors made. I don't even know what it was. I I'm sure it was some type of you know. Gin that they probably yeah. made in their bathtub, but as I said, people were bringing out stuff, and you know, neighbors for you know the guys medicinal purposes were bringing this, you uh, know, all all different types of stuff out. It was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's amazing. I'm sure Phil had a um a full cleaning schedule after
3: that was done Oh, I'm like, sure he did. I'm, I'm sure he probably went <laughs> yeah. to the car wash.
2: <laughs> you should right to the car wash, <laughs> but it didn't get broken, right?
3: Nope. No, nothing, nothing negative happened, so it was good.
2: Wow, amazing! How old were you when you when you won it?
3: I was twenty nine when we won. 29. Yeah, okay. so yeah, it's hard to believe. And you know, you, I, I thought I was old Ben. Now I look back and I go, man, I was just a kid. I actually had hair. Man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and how old were you when you retired?
3: When I retired, I was thirty four. So I, I played in Buffalo, and then after Buffalo, I took a year and went over to Slovenia in uh, which was former Yugoslavia you know at the time and I played a year in in Slovenia and it was great it was for me it was the best way to finish the career because you know when you play in the NHL you you if you can fit into a role you fit into the role and I I happen to fit into a defensive forward role not that you want to play that mm-hmm. but you know you just want to play hockey and when I went over to Slovenia I was able to play and you know you play the power play you play the penalty kill, you get the extra shift right yeah, okay. at the end of the game yeah so you're playing all the time and and I, I truly loved the game after I, you know, when I finished and I came back and I could have kept going back to Slovenia, but I decided, ah, you know what? It was a great experience time to shut her down. So
1: when you went, oh, go ahead, Grace. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to say at that moment, when you were kind of like wrapping up your career, had you already decided that you were going to live in Calgary and settle in Calgary or how did that come about?
3: Well, that's, that's a great question, Grace. Cause uh, we had our green cards. Because uh, I got our, my wife and I, and our uh, we have three kids. And at the time, uh, our youngest son, our son, was born in in Buffalo, and our our youngest daughter. So we had a, two daughters and a son. Our, our son was a U.S. citizen, and our youngest daughter was born back in Calgary. But we were we were toying with the idea of of living in the U.S. and and Buffalo had made me an offer to uh, be part of the organization, which. I was thinking of but I was going, ah, you know what? I sort of want to get out and get into the business world. And uh, we came back to Calgary and, uh, you know, when you get traded, you think that the city trades you. You think nobody wants you. I mean, that's just the way it is. And and you realize that it's a, you know, it's a business decision. And it was the best thing for me too, to move on. And we ran into people that were, hey, great to see you again. Oh, you know, you're going to live here. You should live here. And and my wife's family lives here. So it made it a lot easier to, say yeah let's let's try calgary it's a great city that you know you guys know know, a lot of entrepreneurial people live here uh you know the inner circle is a big circle it's not like toronto where you know the the inner circle is really tight and it's tough to get into but people are here you know if you want to work and you want to work hard they're open to to do you know to have you as part of it and that was a a big reason we decided to you know stay in calgary because As I said, we had our green cards, could have gone anywhere in the U.S. And, you know, Buffalo was a great area. It's a really nice area. You know, the downtown, they've advanced it a lot, but, you know, it probably wasn't the best, and that's what people think about when they think of Buffalo. But you get out in the suburbs, it's beautiful. Awesome. Well,
2: so what was the next transition for you? Did you take a couple years to think about it, or did you immediately go into a, a new business role?
3: Yeah, I, I took yeah. about a month and went into a business role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, back and in those days, you know, business. yeah, yeah. You, you weren't making, you know, you made good money, but it wasn't, you know, money that you could sit back and, uh, you know, take a lot of time off. But Although I probably is, could, right? yeah, yeah. I, I probably could have taken a little more time, but I, 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 I knew I needed computer experience. You know, computer technology was really starting to pick up, and you know, for you guys, you're going to go, oh my god, he's ancient. But, you know, CD-ROM technology was just starting. (laughs) And so I decided I was able to get into a company with CD-ROM technology and they were cutting edge of it. And that was really good. And so I I learned a lot. And, you know, every job, uh, you know, I took and I went to, you know, it was, you know, to advance myself and my knowledge. And and you learn from everything and, you know, good and bad. And I think for, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, people who are entrepreneurial, um, if you have a failure, People think of that as oh you know that's not good. Well, you learn from it and you pick yourself up and you, you get back into it. It's no different than playing a game or it's no different than you know playing any sport, right? You're competing and and sometimes everything works perfect for you and you're in first, and sometimes it doesn't and you're in last and you're looking at yourself going, boy, should I keep playing or should I you know what should I do? And but that's that's business and you, you got to keep plugging along and that's the disciplines and skills that I learned playing hockey you know, have really helped me through the business world.
2: And what is it that you do now?
3: Um, I've got a couple things on the go. I I help out and consult in some matting, access matting, that that those are uh, things that go down when uh, pieces of wood, I always tell, you know, people are like big skids that go down for that. You know, equipment can get access into either remote areas or environmentally sensitive areas, and they make a road or a pad that people can do work on. And then I've got another company that I'm working with that does some misting technology for evaporation of wastewater and and larger bodies of water. So that's been good.
2: Awesome. That's quite a different role. And it's kind of crazy how these transitions, they just, again, I'm, I'm assuming they're just something that you walked into that your resume and who you are. And I'm sure some of the lessons you learned from sport enabled you to be successful
3: at. Yeah, and you learn, you know, you never give up. And uh, one thing leads to another. And, you know, when I look back at, you know, even playing, uh, I, I never thought I'd play in the NHL. You know, I was too old, you know, by most standards. And and the Calgary Flames were, as we talked about earlier, you know, they came down and saw. They they had a real inkling of finding college, you know, free agent college players. So at one time we had about seven or eight guys that were free agents that, you know, they never drafted. And they were from university, uh, Charlie Bourgeois, Eddie Beers, Jim McCowan, myself, Joel Otto, Gino Cavallini, Neil Sheehy. They, you know, there was a, a real string of, of guys that the Flames were able to collect from the U.S. University side and, uh, that were free agents. So, you know, I, as I said, you know, you get the opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. And I was fortunate I did. And that's in the business world too, you know. I always say, you know, just open the door a bit, let me in, and, you know, and I'll prove myself
2: um another thing i wanted to talk to you about was uh since we're a sports podcast um what other sports were near and dear to your heart growing up i see uh, that you were a multi-sport athlete
3: i was i, I played lacrosse and i i love lacrosse i played both box lacrosse and field lacrosse mm-hmm. and i i played all the way up until i signed with the flames I oh, played, no yeah so i you know they didn't have a pro lacrosse league back in the day it had folded and then obviously there's a league now but uh, I would have loved to have played lacrosse. I was my, I, you know, I was, I was a better lacrosse player than I was a hockey player, but oh, no I, it just wasn't anything, you know, at the end of lacrosse. You, you know, I played uh, senior lacrosse. Uh, you know, I played junior, but uh, I ended up playing senior with guys that were, you know, great players and I have, I have some great memories of that time. And, you know, I, I would have loved to have kept playing, but it is what it is. And it, it's funny, you know, when, and I got to playing hockey and people were going, well, you need to work out. And you need to do all this. And I go, well, I could always play lacrosse. You know, there was never a need for, you know, going on a long, distant run because you did that in lacrosse. And that was, you know, part of the practice and everything. So, you know, the same same type of exercise, but a little different discipline for it. But, yeah, I love lacrosse. I played all different sports. You know, I played a little bit of basketball, played, you know, a little bit of volleyball when I was on the uh, – you know, grade eight and nine on the five foot two and under team. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I I loved all sports and, uh, you know, that's you know, I guess part of me and part of my family too. Keep going. So
2: how's, how's your tennis game going?
3: My tennis game has not advanced as much as I thought it would. And what, that was a great event. I, I wish, you know, it's too bad we didn't do it again this year, but I really enjoyed it. And, uh, Daniel Nestor, I remember we, we were fortunate enough to uh, myself and my partner played against him and his partner. Mm-hmm. And I said to him on one serve, I said, just, you know, give it to me. Right. You know, just, for... <laughs> he served it. I was like, okay, uh, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> just, just hit the ball so I can touch it at least or see it. And like, and I, I, uh,
2: it's so funny. I did the exact same thing. So just to explain to our listeners, um, the Alberta Tennis Tournament is hosting a ATP Challenger, and this is something they're going to continue carrying on. And um, they did this was this, the first year that they were, or the second year they were doing it, excuse me. And we had a little bit of uh, a celebrity tennis tournament, so it was a doubles tournament. And um, the the was – we had the Flames alumni were there. Um, I think I was one of the only women. I think there was another one, but um, and Daniel Nestor was of course, Canadian tennis legend, uh, he was kind of, he was available. So what happened was people, it was for charity, their company submitted a bid, and then they they had a, a draft, essentially. And they got to draft who they wanted to play with. And so it would be one of the corporate members plus a celebrity, and we played the Stonewalls tournament. And uh, yeah, and I remember the same thing. I was playing against the team that had Daniel Nestor on it, and I was like, okay. And we, we were getting crushed on this set. And I was like, he, and I told him, I wanted to hand, like, I wanted to serve, like, give me one. And he served it and the spin on it, like I almost went completely the wrong direction. Like it well, yeah. all went by me and then I put my arm out to try and yeah. like retrieve it. It was just incredible.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing, but w- it was a great event. I me- remember, I, you know, my wife and, and youngest daughter came and I told them like later times, cause uh, I didn't really want them to see me play. So my, youngest, my oldest, youngest daughter comes in and she goes to me, she goes to my wife, she goes, who's the celebrity on dad's team? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, well, that's actually your dad is. And she's like, oh. oh my How old are you kids now? They're 31, 28, and 27. And actually, my young, youngest daughter. Yeah. yeah. So my youngest daughter went to school with Grace at uh, Centennial High
1: yeah. And quite a few, uh and quite a few former flames were uh I went to school with a few of their kids as well in that community. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, we had to, that it was great because we have a group of us, you know, there's Dana Merzen, uh, Joel Otto, Jane McCowan, uh and ourselves. We lived a block away from each other in Sundance. So it was really neat. They l li- I always say they lived in upper Sundance, we were in Lower Sundance. Mm-hmm. But uh It was great. And we, you know, it was really good. Our kids grew up together and, you know, sports and going to school together was pretty neat. Grace, I think you were a figure skater back then, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah. And uh, then I ended up somehow in skeleton, but it's funny. I actually remember I I lived fairly close to the McCowans and all, everyone would want to come and trick or treat on my block so that we could then go and trick or treat on that block because it was the, the good candy bars, the big candy bars. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and it, it's still that way. Like, you know, we're a street over from them and we might get 80 kids and they'll get 250 or 300. Back in those days, I think they were getting 400 kids.
1: Yeah. We tallied when we were kids. And I think one year peak, like, because a lot of people moved to that area and we we're all kind of the same age. And one year we had 500 kids. It was crazy. Yeah, it's like a boom of a new community. Yeah, it was was pretty neat.
2: Wow. All right, so my last one that I wanted to bring up was, uh, now this is the first time I've seen you since, but I wanted to congratulate on your epic TikTok. Um, oh. I was so proud of you when you put that
3: together. <laughs> Alicia, you know, I, and I don't know if people under, know about it, but we did a TikTok video of us passing the cup around for our anniversary. It was and the
2: don't rush challenge
3: that yeah. you guys executed. Good, yeah. After
2: seeing the bobsled like, girls do it. We'll yeah. and, and we expert. did.
3: And, and I, and Alicia, when I saw your stuff and I, I, I texted her, however you do it on Instagram I said, yeah. that was unbelievable. And it was you who said to me, You guys should do it. And I said, well, what are we going to do? And I remember you saying, oh, I'll help you. And I said, oh, you know, I don't even know what we do. Like, who wants to see a bunch of old guys get dressed? You know, (laughs) it's not going to work. But then I I realized, you know, we have one thing in common is that we all have these miniature Stanley Cups. Mm -hmm. And I said, somehow we can work it in. So it was like herding cats. And my daughter said, "I'll, I'll help you do it. My oldest daughter, Stephanie. And she said, I'll help you do it. So we got, you know, I sent it out. And it turned out to be a, just a great video. And thanks to you, Alicia, because it was, uh, Man, brilliant. I love it. it was brilliant. We had, we had almost 4 million views of all the social media.
0: Every
2: news channel, it was on TSN. It was just, everybody was spreading it. It was amazing. Yeah,
3: it was really good. But you know, I mean, like you're telling guys, okay you know, I, I did an example. I said, you know, you take the cup in your right hand, had it all written down. And I did an example, you know, and you pass it through the screen, take it to your left hand. So it looks like you're passing off to somebody else. Well, you know, you get five guys who are doing it from left to right, you know, instead of right to left, you go, okay, you don't notice that. And then we decided we're all going to put jerseys on. because we thought that would be hokey, but then we decided to, and then it was like, you know, we still had like three guys do it wrong. And you're know, like, whatever you know so my daughter somehow reversed the the so some of the guys when you watch it when you watch it the flaming sea is actually wrong it's wrong, but they, the cup's going the right way but it was just it was really neat and it was it it brought that team back together again too because you know we haven't been together since the 25th anniversary and so you know i i don't know when we'll get together again but it really brought home that you know that life short um you know brad mccerman was you know tragically killed in the, the plane accident and so he's no longer with the team you know, bobby stewart who was our equipment manager he passed away and so you realize you know boy time's precious and it was really neat to get everybody involved and everybody part of it and uh, yeah, it turned out to be great and thank you so much for that because it was it was really good it turned oh, out great it was
2: amazing. you don't have to thank uh, me you guys pulled it through and oh. you got everyone to
1: do it i was so impressed so speaking um, of um the alumni. I hear that you have an alumni toy drive happening.
3: Yeah, we have our third annual toy drive, and it was actually Ret Warner who came up with the idea. And not that he comes up with many, but this was a brilliant one he came up with. And so we started collecting toys a few years ago. Worked with the Calgary Police Services, and uh, you know, gave them to needy families. And uh it was really interesting because we do it during a game, and I couldn't believe how much you know how generous people are. And, and this year, because we can't, you know, do it at a game, we've decided to go another route. And, you know, we teamed up with the Hitman at the start uh, for their teddy bear toss and got some items from that. And then uh, we decided, well, we're going to work with the Red Barn Markets, which are located at uh, uh, Toys R Us in the south off McLeod Trail and then up at McMahon Stadium. And we could collect items and, you know, we'll collect it all through up to the 16th. But this Saturday on the December 12th, we're gonna have some of our players there, our alumni. I know Martin Jellin is gonna be up north. Matt Stage and Curtis Glencross and Joel Otto will be at the north part, uh, up at McMahon Stadium. And you know, we'll do it a safe distance. We'll have our masks on and gloves, and you know. And then in the south, we're gonna have Jamie McCowan and myself and Perry Berzan. And uh, we think it's gonna be a, a great opportunity. To, you know, get some more gifts, and and you know, there's a lot of families that are gonna be in need this year. And uh, it, it's it's a very rewarding. I you know I hate to say it, but it's self rewarding when you go and deliver these gifts to these families. We, some of them have nothing under the trees, just absolutely nothing, and then you're able to give them gifts, and they're very appreciative. Um, you know, and it it, it is uh, as I said, you know, that's part of what the alumni do and giving back to the community, giving back to others that are, are perhaps less fortunate, and that's that's what I love about what you guys do with Kidsport too you know you're helping you know you guys are great ambassadors and i, I just love it and you know our, our alumni has been involved in kids sport for you know the 25 years that kids sports been around uh, we were one of the first major donators to kids sport through uh, a program that perry bears and i used to run we had to see this so three and three pond hockey and we'd bring in 56 former nhl players we'd play three and three hockey for for a day and in, in a tournament and it was a lot of fun and part of the funds would go to South fish Creek, uh, which was a rec center, which has been around for a long time now, but back then there wasn't even a shovel in the ground. And then we heard about kids sport and, you know, for Perry and I, and all the alumni, uh, we want kids to play sports and you guys know it as well as anybody on what it does for everybody. And so we were, you know, we turned out to be one of the biggest donators, uh, up until about, until we you know, sort of wrapped up the pond hockey, um, and that was when Jerome, you know, started to get into the kid sport, and he was donating a 1000 a goal, and, and then he became, you know, the largest donator. And then, you know, things, you know, it's more, you know, it's not about the money, but it's more about the awareness and, and people knowing that, you know, kid sports around and what it does and how it helps kids you know, that are financially disadvantaged get it into play, not only hockey, but every sport. And people always say, well, you guys are just concerned about hockey. We go, no, you know, we want kids to play any sport because Back in the day, we were all multi-sport athletes. Uh, you know, everybody played a lot of different sports, and you, you realize the advantage that you get from being able to play the sports. And that's why, you know, I, I love what you guys do, and it's so great to see you guys at all the events too and and the support that you guys put into it. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's the thing about, you know, our alumni, you know, this this toy drive, it's, it's very special. And I, and I think it's one of those things for us as alumni, you know, that we can all do. You know, it doesn't matter if you still play hockey or not, because you know, as you get a little older and the guys are younger that you're going out playing hockey with, it's it becomes a little more difficult. And uh, <laughs> but but there, everybody's the same, and it's it's a lot of fun. And you know, we did it last year at at one of the games, and Lanny was there, and he was like, we called him Lanny Claus. There was a lineup like a mile long for him. He signed autographs from you know the start of the game all the way till you know halfway through the third wow. and he was just unbelievable yeah so it, you know it's all of our alumni giving back in though it's you know and I, as I mentioned earlier we have a lot of younger guys coming in that are that are doing a spectacular job and I think part of our fear is alumni were you know these guys are making you know bigger money well they want to be part of it and they do they want to give back to the community they're real community people they're really oriented on you know helping and and giving back and and that's it's really neat for us because we know that you know as the older guys sort of phase their way out uh these younger guys are going to take it over and and keep things going and and probably advance it probably further than we could I love it <laughs> um just
2: to recap on this because this episode's coming out uh recording Thursday it's coming out Friday so this is going on this weekend the toy drive
3: Yeah, the toy drive is on Saturday uh, where we're going to have guys physically there, but it'll go all the way on to the 16th where people, if they can't make it on Saturday, can drop a gift off. Um, We're just trying to figure out ways to, you know, give people autographs, you know, probably not of my cards, but of somebody else's. But, you know, I think we're going to be probably have something on a stick that'll be able to put into, you know, so we can keep a safe distance. And, you know, with a mask on, I could be anybody with a mask and, and a hat. Ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get, Lanny, get, get Lanny to sign a bunch of cards. <laughs> oh, um, and is there is there a particular age group of toys you
2: guys are looking for this year?
3: Or... No, we're f- it's from newborn to, you know, probably 18 to 20-year-olds. I mean, okay. uh, so it runs the gamut. They have to be unwrapped. I should mention that. No, We got a lot of gift cards, too, like for uh, grocery stores. And, and that's great, too, because the families can use that. And so, you know, whether it's an unwrapped gift or a gift card, uh, you know, it's just really neat to see the way that people in Calgary give back. And it's uh, really heartwarming.
1: And I have to say, yeah, that you guys, Kidsport and the Flames alumni are very much the center of it. Um, I feel like we're all just working together to make Calgary a better place. So thank you for all that you guys do at the Flames and for also lending so much to Kidsport and taking the time to be even with us here today.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Believe me. You know, you guys are, as I said, you guys are great and do a ton of stuff for Kidsport and are fantastic ambassadors for it. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And that's all we have today for you. All. you. Thank you so much for joining us. and telling us some epic stories i love hearing anything like cub stories or anything around a party it's like oh i miss parties christmas parties and stuff so that that was the highlight of my day thank you for sharing that and and thank you guys again what grace said for the you guys just do such a great job in our community and hopefully one day soon we'll be seeing you at another event
3: yeah i'm going to trim it up to get a little cleaner for those events oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no thanks for having me you guys and as i said yeah you do a great job and, and good luck to both of you too this year if, if you know who knows as you guys well know you, you can only practice for so long you want to compete and, when, and hopefully you guys do get an opportunity to this year thank you
0: yeah empties into sport opportunities with the kids sport recycling program it's easy skip the blue bend and instead use the kids sport recycling program pickup service Once your bag is full of empties, just text 403-680-8776, 403-680-8776 to schedule your pickup. Then sit back and relax because they will take care of the rest. Their pickup service covers residential areas, schools, sporting facilities, golf courses, and businesses. All the funds collected from this program are donated to Kidsport Calgary to help make it so all kids can play. Just four bags can put a child in soccer or swimming lessons. You can make a local child's sports dreams come true simply by donating your empties. Get started today by texting 403-680-8776, 403-680-8776, or visiting www.kidsportrecycling.ca.